probably most of the country like, whoa, this coming weekend. They're like, whoa, you know, how hard he goes. They're like, whoa, the kid was going to throw for 500 yards. They're like, whoa, you know, how hard he goes. They're like, whoa, and this is his opportunity to take it and run with it. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. Eleven Dubcast is back. I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. And uh, Johnny, how about them Buckeyes? A big victory <laughs> in East Lansing. Uh, pretty much uh, didn't start out that good, but in the end, kind of smoked them a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, well, I got to tell you something. I did not expect anything positive, uh, if you know, the way it started. Because I was like, man, you can't, you can't give up those kind of turnovers at the beginning of a game to a team like Michigan State and win. But apparently that is completely false because I guess you can do that. And not only can you win, <laughs> you can, like, boat race them in the second and third quarter. So, like, I mean, everything turned out better than I expected. And, I, you know, I expected them to be competitive. But, A, I sure as hell didn't expect them to score 49 points. B, I did not expect it to turn into, like, a shootout. And C, I really didn't think JT Barrett was going to look nearly as good as he did. So all of those things surprised me, and it all turned out okay. So it was a, it was a very good yes. Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it was like the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Um, <laughs> right. It, it was, when you're part of it a was team. A, that's right. It was crazy because it started out like one of the one of the worst case scenarios. Yeah, you had the you know the turnovers. You have Michigan State scoring early. You missed the early field goal. All of that thing was you know all of that was going against Ohio State. And then on top of it, it really appeared for a short while anyway like the the offensive line was going to get pushed around by a good defense again. I mean there were there were uh, there was a drive there where they went backwards about twenty yards and. Um, you know, things just didn't look very good, and then they had that third and uh, was it twenty three? Yeah, uh, t- first play of the second quarter, and you know he, you know Barrett drops it in to Devin Smith, and from that point on, they just kind of rolled. Yeah, that dude was throwing bombs. Like, man, th- those were just teardrops, right? Like the, the little mm-hmm. touchdown there, and then there was another one on the lo- you know sideline. It was just, it was pretty cool. It was pretty good to see him just on his game. And I got that was probably the most surprising part of the game for me. Because I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to accept this version of JT Barrett, which is a really good player against really bad teams. And then once he plays real defenses, he like kind of you know turtles a little bit. And I was like, I'm fine with that. He's a redshirt freshman, whatever. I didn't see that. That guy looked like a seasoned pro against you know like a really good defense. I mean, what we assume to be a really good defense. I mean, who knows? But you know, I was just really surprised by the fact that he just played as well as he did. Um, made a lot of smart decisions too. It wasn't like he was just throwing to op- like wide open dudes. Like he mm-hmm. thread the ball when he needed to. He threw the ball away when he needed to. Um, just really not a bad decision all night. Um, and he got it done on the ground with his legs. Like that was the other thing. Like people are going to talk about his accuracy and you know throwing for 300 yards again, which is amazing. But that big, I think 55 55 yard run that he had towards the end of the game. That's really I think what kind of sealed it and. That's awesome to see. I mean, the guy counted for over 400 yards of offense against, you know, one of the best defenses in the entire country. And that's if that doesn't tell you something, then I don't know what does. I, I think that, that pretty much proves he is who everybody wants him to be right now. Yeah, JT Barrett, uh, phenomenal. He had uh, one pass I saw that wasn't on the mark. He threw, overthrew a receiver in the back of the end zone. Yeah. Uh, threw the, threw, sailed the ball a little high. And I think other than that, everything he tried to complete, was complete. I mean, everything else, um, you know, he had some throwaways and he was hit while he was throwing a couple times. But other than that, you know, when he had time to stand in the pocket and survey the field, he, he put it in there. There were, I think, a couple drops as well in there. So um, JT Barrett was phenomenal. That that 55-yard run was amazing because Ohio State needed to run some clock. Michigan State had just cut into that lead and had a little bit of hope left. And then 55 yards later, that hope was gone. <laughs> yeah. And, it was, kinda, <laughs> and I think, it was like one of those like stumbling, bumbling kind of, th- kind of things. It wasn't like a Braxton like, oh, my God, this guy should be in the Olympics. It was kind of like, okay. Right. Well, it wasn't an Xbox move. It was no, like, it was just, he, you know, he got a great, great block at the point of attack yeah. by Ezekiel Elliott, who let's give Ezekiel Elliott a shout out now, not only for his running, but man, did he block his ass off. Yeah, I got to tell you something. And, Ross had a really great column about that today, about the blocking that he put in. Mm-hmm. And if you watch every play, I mean, he was picking up blitzers. He was opening up holes. That dude was sick blocking yeah. on Saturday. So, yeah, all the props in the world to him for that. So the 55-yard run, uh, Zeke comes through the hole. There's a linebacker coming to get Barrett, and Elliott puts his shoulder pad right in the chest of the linebacker, knocks him down. 
and Barrett's off to the race is 55 yards. And a couple plays later, Elliott gets rewarded. He gets the touchdown run and uh, puts the game away. So, um, you know, I, I think for, for my part, what I was most surprised by was Ohio State's defense in the first half did a very good job, for the most part, of shutting down a pretty potent Michigan State attack. Yeah. Averaging 40-plus points a game. You know, they got a great back. they got a good veteran offensive line. Connor Cook is a very difficult quarterback to defend because it's hard to get to him before he releases the ball. And uh, they did a good job. They kept – I think Connor Cook was only like 6 of 18 in the first half. Right. And it was only really when it became garbage time, we don't care if you score as long as you take a long time to do it, that he actually started racking up uh, some numbers. Other than the first drive of the second half, he did pretty well, but that drive stalled and he had to kick a field goal. And other than that, it was just garbage time yards for Connor Cook. Yeah, well, the thing is, I I think they consciously made the decision, like, we are going to make sure that Lippitt isn't going to beat us, which he did. Mm -hmm. And they will, I think they're willing to allow Langford the running back to get going a little bit, which he, you know, he did pretty well. I mean, he averaged, I think, like seven and a half yards of carry, something crazy. But they did not, aside from one really big play, they really didn't allow Michigan State to break anything open on them. And I think that was really the key for Ohio State's defense. They still gave up a decent amount of points. Most of those were, you know, maybe towards the end of the game when everybody was gassed and not really paying attention. But, you know, I think their plan was sound, and I think it accomplished what it set out to do, which is slow them down uh, long enough to allow the offense to do their thing. And again, another person who deserves a lot of props who's been kind of maligned sometimes is Tom Herman. Uh, that dude threw together a game plan that was just unbelievable. It, it had all mm-hmm. elements that we've all been waiting for, underneath stuff, over-the-top stuff, and con- working in conjunction with each other. A lot of cool running plays. I mean, it was it was really great. It was really cool to see. Yeah, Herman kept the defense off balance, that's for sure. Um, big shout-out to Duran Grant for shutting down Lippitt for the most part, keeping yeah. him under wraps, no big plays for him. Um, the other thing that I I thought that D'Antonio's offense did a good job with was they made sure they had Bosa wrapped up, and sometimes that was literally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But sometimes it was like with double teams, and then they would use Michael Bennett's aggressiveness and and penetration against him they'd let him in the backfield and trap him so you have a, a double team on Bosa you had Bennett out of the way then you really only got to take care of keeping Miller outside and making sure Adolphus Washington doesn't make the play so right. uh, pretty good game plan to get Langford his yards but uh, you know he had a couple of a couple of you know explosive plays that kind of inflated his numbers but uh, uh, really Ohio State was probably okay with them just running the ball and didn't want to give up big plays. I thought they did a pretty good job of, of, you know, bending but not breaking for the most part. Yeah, I agree. And that's and honestly, like, I think a lot of us would really like to see Ohio State return to that whole silver bullets. Let's allow six points per game kind of defense. I don't know that that's really going to happen anymore. I mean, if you look at defenses in general in college football, that's pretty dang rare, um, mm-hmm. just because of the way the game's evolving. I'm okay with a defense that keeps us in games, and I don't mean just against like you know scrubs, but if you can have a defense that can slow down elite offenses, like even you know an Oregon, if you can hold an Oregon to like 25 points, that's a victory, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a good yeah. performance out of your defense. So if we have a defense that can do that and accomplish that on a regular basis, then I'm cool with it. I don't I don't need to see single digit you know blowouts all the time. I just want somebody that's going to allow the offense to do their thing, and if you know. You have more games like on Saturday. I don't care. <laughs> like if they give right. up twenty or thirty points a game, if they're winning like that. Go for it. I don't give a crap. And that defense is going to like on any other given night. Probably Michigan State doesn't get as many points as they do because you don't have Eli sure. Apple dropping uh, dropping a pick six. You don't have a a fumble squirting back to an offensive lineman that kind of thing. So there were a couple bounces didn't go Ohio State's way, but for the most part, a great night, a big win. It felt good. I didn't even want to go to bed for you know forever after that game. <laughs> Right. You, just felt wanna, so good. you just want to keep feeding off of it. You're like, yeah. That's right. I wanted to savor it. Um, so now we turn our attentions to the Minnesota Golden Gophers, number 25 in the latest college football poll. Yeah. That would uh, be a big help if Ohio State gets a win over a ranked team on the road. Right. Uh, a, a team that's ranked uh, by the college football playoff committee. And uh, a team that, quite frankly, they can't take lightly that they just put 50, hung 50 on Iowa last week. And um, Jerry Kills Bunch is undefeated at home and playing some pretty good football. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, so here's uh, yes and no for me. I mean, yes, they, they did beat Iowa, and Iowa's not a terrible team this year. Uh, but they also lost to Illinois the week before that. So 
I, you know, I think they definitely need to be cautious with Minnesota because Minnesota has a pretty good running attack. Um, but I also think they probably need to like, uh, you know, get healthy a little bit. Like I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is I want them to get up big in the first half and not have to worry about the second half so much. And I do think they're capable of that. I mean, if they take Minnesota as seriously as they need to, and by the way, this game is at Minnesota. So that's another, I think, mm-hmm. big reason to put them away early. Um, then we can maybe rest easy a little bit because I don't know that Minnesota is really a team that's built to play from behind. Um, so I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting game, especially considering it's at Minnesota and it's going to be real cold, uh, with the possibility of some snow, which should be nice. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I do think it's interesting to see how your defense especially performs against teams that are kind of one dimensional because then you can kind of see, you can kind of gauge how well they are at doing a certain thing. You know what I mean? Like if you're playing mm-hmm. against Texas Tech, you know, or, you know, when Mike Leach was there, if you're playing against, uh, I don't know, Washington State, when Mike Leach is there, you know, you're <laughs> going to get thrown on 500 times so you can know how, get a general idea of how well your pass defense is. Uh, you know, but if you play against Minnesota or some other team like that or Navy, hopefully you get some kind of idea about how your, uh, your rush defense is. Although Navy might be a little bit of a misnomer since their offense is so wonky. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing about Minnesota. They have a, a very good running game. Cobb is an excellent running back. Yep. Um, they have a good defense. They're they are very gifted in the defensive secondary. Uh, so that's going to be, you know, those are some strengths that kind of align with what Ohio State tries to do. So right. it's certainly the type of game that you can call a trap game. And it, it'll be interesting to see, because uh, Urban Meyer gave his guys an extra day to, to – celebrate the win it'll be interesting to see if they get their minds right for this game because it's easy to say we cleared the hurdle it's a it's a clear easy shot into the the big 10 championship game now and that's not necessarily the truth you you have to bring your a game when you play a decent team and i don't think i've seen minnesota enough to know this they're a much better team at home than they are on the road yeah it's like night and day so uh, you know, I, I don't think you can take Minnesota lightly. You're going to have to go up there, avoid turnovers, and take care of business. Like you said, I think if they get up big early, they're going to be fine. Well, the, the other but thing if they let mind, Minnesota hang around... Right. The, the other thing to keep in mind, though, is that they can't take anybody lightly at this point. They are now in the driver's seat for the Big Ten Championship. They have to treat every game from here on out as, like, deadly serious. You know what I mean? Like, there are no, like, okay, this is Illinois or whoever, like... Indiana has a possibility of, like, ringing up a butt-ton of points. The game is always the game. I mean, I, I would love to say that Michigan's a dumpster fire and, you know, we're going to kill them, but that's what I said last year, and then we came yeah. within a two-point conversion of losing the freaking thing. So, you know, I, the, the next three games are super critical, I think, for Ohio State, not just for the Big Ten Championship, but if they have any hope of getting in this 14 playoff, they got to look good in all three games. And then they obviously have to win the, the Big Ten Championship. So, it, it's it's definitely crunch time now, and I, I like that Urban gave them an extra day to kind of, you know, decompress from the Michigan State game because I don't think you want them too hyped. But I also mm-hmm. think they need to learn that you know it's it's about time to take care of business, and you know you gotta you gotta focus because this is this is definitely the most important stretch of the entire season. So we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm really excited for it, and I think they'll they'll come out of Minnesota with a pretty. Not an easy victory, but they'll they'll probably come out with a good like twenty twenty one point victory that'll that'll look a lot worse than it actually is. I think at the end of the game. <laughs> well, well, uh, certainly I would take that because um, you know it's it's so much easier to lose a game after a game a big emotional game right. like the Michigan State game than it is. You know, it's just so hard to keep you know eighteen to twenty one year olds up emotionally the whole season. Exactly. Um, but if anybody could do it, Urban Meyer could do it. And, and I really, I'm kind of hoping that he's pressing all the buttons and saying, you know, we need to win these games impressively, not just win them. We need to, like, beat them down. Right. Uh, because really, with Ohio State coming in at number eight, that's kind of what has to happen. They have to try to differentiate themselves from the Baylors and the Arizona States. I mean, Arizona State still has to, either Arizona State or Oregon will lose before the end of the season. Right. Because if nothing else, they're going to play each other. Right. Um. And then, you know, obviously Mississippi State, Alabama. At this point, you have to hope Mississippi State knocks Alabama out of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because, I mean, I'm not afraid of Mississippi State. Let them let them be number one seed. <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take number four seed and play them yeah. in the playoffs. That's fine with me. But, um, uh, you know, there's still so much football to be played. And I know the winner 
Uh, if Nebraska gets by Wisconsin this week, Nebraska's going to have a pretty hefty chip on their shoulder when it comes to the Big Ten title game because now they're feeling disrespected. Right. Like they're the team that, that nobody's talking about. They, they fell three spots in the uh, college football playoff poll after a bye week, and they're not real happy about that. So, um, uh, But, again, a lot of football to be played. Ohio State still has to play at Minnesota. you got Indiana at home. Uh, Indiana has given Ohio State fits in the past, but I don't think this Indiana team this year is very good. And I believe they just lost their quarterback. I don't know how long. Yeah, um, they did. And then, uh, but they do have Tevin Coleman, and he is a great equalizer at some, you know, sometimes. And then, uh, then the game where we've seen it in the past, anything can happen. And I happen to think that this might be an actually a very decent Michigan defense this year. The few times I've seen them, um, you know, all the way through, their defenses actually look very good. Now that's their not defense saying a lot. <laughs> Like, they, they have an excellent defense this year. Um, yeah, and it's not saying a lot because some of the opponents I've seen them play, like, I mean, but Northwestern, um, you know, I don't know. It, the end of that game was kind of crazy because right. Northwestern comes back, they tie the game, or they could tie the game, but they'd elect to go for the two-point conversion a la Michigan last year against Ohio State, <laughs> and then they just completely fall apart and go bad news bears on the two-point play. But uh, right. even even had Simeon not fallen down, it looked like Michigan had that play completely guessed correctly and, and diagnosed and covered. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think when you come back and you're and – you're, you've got a chance, you've got all the momentum on your side, the defense is gassed, you have – you know, everything going your way. Do you just kick the extra point and say, hey, we're, we're taking it to them? Now they got to. If you're a good or, team, or do you, you do. Uh, but if you're not, yeah. you say, screw it, and then you do it, you do what they did. I mean, I don't yeah. I don't blame Fitzgerald for doing what he did. The Northwestern has not had a very good season. Um, right. You feel like Michigan also hasn't a very good season, and you should be able to beat them. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, to me, that's just, it's fighting over breadcrumbs. Like, it, you know, it, great if you win but if you lose like who cares you're already kind of swimming in in the crap so I don't I mean I don't know it's really gonna be interesting to see how the game kind of matches up this year because it is at Ohio State which gives you know a big advantage to the Buckeyes but man I I do think that they'll cause more problems than people think just because defensively I do have a lot of respect for Michigan offensively oh they're just trash I mean it's like, look, you you put up ten points on Northwestern, like, and and that's how you win the game. Like, that's that should be an indicator of something. I don't think this is a game Ohio State really has to worry about too much in terms of like putting like scoring more than the opposing team at least. But man, like, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be interesting. They're a bad team uh, overall, but they also have some things that could give us fits. And I we should probably keep a wary eye on them at least. Uh, just for the respect of the game in general, and maybe just because you know we're going to get super paranoid in a couple of weeks. Like, yes. it's going to be interesting to see the, the to gauge the overall like temperature of the of the room for Ohio State fans the next couple of weeks. Because so I think we're going to start freaking out, um, and it'll be fun. <laughs> it will be fun. So um, why don't we do ask us anything? That is like one of our favorite parts. That's right. Of the why show don't every we? Week. And, uh, Johnny, tell them how they can ask us anything. So you can ask us anything in a couple ways. You can hit us up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Johnny11W, and Michael's is 11W underscore Michael. Or you can send us an email. It's dubcast at 11warriors.com. So D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. And ask us anything. Literally, literally anything. Yeah. Anything. So, uh... What do we have this week? We have all kinds of things. We got we we got a lot of questions this week, and I'm actually really really pumped about that. Uh, and this is actually, I think, maybe a good uh, segue here. Uh, so Ian wants to know, hello, fellows. I have been struggling with the idea that the running quarterback offense only works because teams can replace their quarterback every three years when the hits start taking their hole uh, toll. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, you don't want to get hit in the hole. No. R.E., uh, Braxton Miller, Gardner, Robinson, and maybe soon Barrett, for example, is in support. Is this fair to the players, and should we as fans be uneasy about this? So I guess what he's saying here is, are mobile quarterbacks, are we just basically setting these guys up to be injury machines and kind of just, you know, chewing them up and spitting them out at the end of their college careers? Um, you know what? These kids would tell you that they probably enjoy it. They yeah, probably but, have fun playing and that they are willing to do it for their team. And I, you know, I don't have a problem with it. I, I mean, do, did I 
Did I like the pro style offense? Sure. But I, I mean, there's something exciting about the way, you know, Braxton Miller running the, the, the read option and all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exciting as a fan. I can't, I can't say that there's anything wrong with it, but as a, and if you're thinking, well, is it a humane thing? Is it humane to like line up in the trenches and try to hit a 300 pound guy, you know, 50 plays a game? I mean, is that any better? Yeah. I, I you know, I, I don't, it's football. That's that's my answer, I guess, is it's football. Here's my perspective on it. I, I don't think that saying that, oh, the players would say that. Of course the players are going to say that. Like, no player is going to be like, yeah, I don't really like it. And actually, Braxton Miller has intimated as much in the past, and people ate him alive for even hinting that he didn't like getting hit all the time, <laughs> which is bull crap. Like, I completely understand why a player would be like, dude, I'm a quarterback. I'm supposed to be throwing this ball. Like, that's the whole point of my position. Like, they've been raised that they are the best athlete in the field, and they're going to wing it. They don't have to get hit 100 times. I completely sympathize with a player who is not, like, all about that. Um, I don't – I mean, here's the thing. I understand that it's football, and I agree that it's football, and football is a contact sport, and you have to accept that. I also think that coaches need to have some kind of conscience when it comes to, to designing plays and things like that. I, I do think that they have to consciously think of the toll that it's going to take on their quarterback to run it. Like – Braxton Miller, I think a couple years ago, you know, not last year, but the year before that, had something like 235 carries. Like, that is a hilariously high number for a non-running back position. And I just think that at a certain point, coaches do have to think and go, what kind of things am I setting this guy up for? Because running backs, they train to take those hits. Quarterbacks generally, by and large, do not. And I, I can I can see why... Uh, you know, I can see why the Ian might be a little wary about this because I do think it's something that people need to take into consideration. However, I don't think JT Bear is going to have to deal with it as much because he's not being used in the same way that Braxton Miller was being used. And I think that will help mitigate a lot of that. Although he's he's running a lot still this year, but he is, I think a lot of it has to do with how you use them. And and also has to do with the individual. Some people can take more hits than others. I mean, some people go their whole college career, never miss a game, and, you know, mostly, by and large, running quarterbacks don't go on to success in the NFL anyway, so that you've got four years to lay, you know, lay it all out on the line, right. and and then you're done. But, um, you know, I remember we had a conversation similar a few years ago when Le'Veon Bell was at Michigan State because he was running like 40 times a game. Yes. And they're like, they're going to kill the guy before his career's over. His legs are going to into little nubs. And now he's in the NFL making millions of dollars. So yeah. um, it worked out for him. I, I think if the if the player's willing to do it, I don't think any coach is going to try to to kill their their meal ticket intentionally. Yeah, but, but um, yeah, I just think that like in the long run, Michael, that like the players aren't going to be making sound decisions when it comes to that because no player is going to jeopardize their position on a team or their paycheck by saying I don't want to do this or I think this is because they'll. To me, the players have no real position to be able to be honest on a football team with regards to their injuries, with regards to how they're feeling about something. Like Because I think the, it's such a results-driven sport that it's like, oh, fine, you don't want to do it, then you don't get to play. You know what I mean? Like, and I, Well, that's the thing. I mean, they have to determine if, if they want to keep running the ball. If they want to play football, they can run the ball. If they don't want to I – mean, nobody's forcing them to play football. Yeah. They, don't, they could go be an accountant, and you'll never get hit, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Unless you're really bad. <laughs> anyway, so it sounds like you sort of agree with Ian, and I kind of taken the position that, um, you know, if you don't want to get punched in the face, don't be a boxer. Yeah. That's kind of I mean, I, I get so. it, but it's, I don't know. I, I just think it's more nuanced than that. I think there are definitely positions in the sport that haven't traditionally required getting punched in the face, and now that I think the way the sport is changing, that's kind of what it's being built up as, but they're still not taking the precautions that they need to do to actually teach people how to get punched in the face as a quarterback. And I, I think they need to do that. Um, I think they need to stop running athletes out there and saying, okay, you're running back for this play when they've never trained to be a running back. Um, and I just think that's on the coaches to understand that, not really the players to, to make that determination. Well, and in fairness, you have you you have to be at practice. Are they telling the quarterback to get down and slide right. or are they not? Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, mostly they do. I, I mean, when they had that, the 55-yard run the other night, I was like, why didn't you run out of bounds, JT? Right, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> uh, right? Like, 
But I don't know that he was coached to, to run out of right. bounds. If he was, then it was his mistake. If he wasn't, then that's on the coaches. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know. I don't have that information. And ultimately, I think I, I think that's it. I mean, it does come down to coaching and, and whether or not they they really are coaching them up to understand their their roles and what they need to do as a, a person doing that. So I completely agree with that. Um, all right. So what do you got next? What's right, next? Next question here uh, from Chad Lindsley. Huh. Interesting. Uh, hi guys, as a Buckeye fan who lives just outside East Landing, Lansing, I've endured nonstop harassment from cocky MSU fans following the 2013 loss in the Big Ten Championship. Please help me brainstorm good ways to avenge all the persecution I have suffered all year at the hands of the Spartans. Thanks in advance. Um, okay, well, <laughs> I, I think there are, there are many, many things that you can do to get back at them. Um, but really... My ideal way would be to just like starting out, like hand out like birthday cards uh, to little brothers. You know what I mean? Like happy fourth birthday, bro, or something like that. And just give them out until they like get really, really irritated with you and then just start laughing and running away. Um, Basically just be childish (laughs) and and petulant and, you know, passive aggressive. That's really my, my take on it. I think there's two good ways to to celebrate this. You can number one, you can set a couch on fire yes. since you're in East Lansing, uh, or number two, you can get the score put on a t-shirt and just wear it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and every social you know, situation that you can possibly conceive. Yes, put the score on a t-shirt and just wear it every place. And you know, because living well, that's the best revenge, isn't that the saying? Yeah. The best revenge is living well. I agree. And, and that would be living well. That would be so. Living. Thanks, Chad. And I wonder if Chad, if you are any relation to former Buckeye Corey Lindsay. Yes, we shall see. Uh, okay, so we got another one here, Jay in New Jersey. Hey guys, let's pretend an ideal Thanksgiving dinner is comprised of a few basic dishes. We got turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes, stuffing, vegetable sides. In my family, this is German style green beans and roasted Brussels sprouts. Oh God, that's gross. Uh, yeah, uh, six desserts: pumpkin and apple pie, or whatever. Each each one of those dishes were represented by a current or former Buckeye player or coach. Who would it be and why? So who is Turkey? Who is turkey? Turkey, um, well, turkey is something that you have to have for Thanksgiving. It is vital. Yeah. It is important. Right. So you have it's something that is necessary. Now, what is necessary in a football field, either passing or running, is alignment. So I'm going to go. Orlando Pace is the turkey. Oh, that's good. I, I think that's that's very good. I was going to say uh, gravy. Um, I don't know. What, what would the gravy kind of is a spice of life, in my opinion. Uh, that's yeah, gravy is sort of a, a nice add-on, not necessarily essential, but you know, kind of yeah, um, you know good. makes other things better. And it goes well with everything, really. Yeah. You think about it. Um, and by the way, I think saying gravy is a spice of life is the most Midwestern thing I've ever said in my life. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say because it goes well with literally everything. Um, I'm gonna say Michael Jenkins. How about that? Okay. Okay. Well, we'll go with that. See what I'm saying? Goes. Goes. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Mashed potatoes. <laughs> what are the mashed potatoes? Who's mashed potatoes? Well, like turkey, I think mashed potatoes are, are a very staple part of the Thanksgiving dinner, and I think that it's it's an important thing, and it's kind of I think a lot of times taken for granted. So I think in uh, in football parlance that means defensive line. We take the defensive line for granted sometimes because. Um, you know, they're in the trenches doing their job, and unless there's some, like, flashy player like a Joey Bosa, you don't really sort of notice them necessarily all that much. Agree. So I'm thinking maybe somebody like a uh, like a Doug Worthington or a Cameron Hayward maybe would be a mashed potatoes. I yeah. don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think somebody <laughs> could do the mashed potato would be a very good version of mashed potatoes. Um, somebody's got some moves. Stuffing. Stuffing, in my opinion, has to be somebody who, like, is hidden from view a lot of the time but is absolutely essential. I will not have a Thanksgiving dinner without stuffing. I'm sorry. No. That's, yes, it's essential. It's 100% essential. I want to say that's Zach Boren, all right? Zach Boren stepping up, coming out of nowhere, filling out linebacker, blowing dudes up and as a fullback. Zach Boren is my stuffing. Well, you surprised me there. I thought you might go quarterback since it's essential, and I thought yeah. maybe that would be a Troy Smith kind of – Kind of that's not, yeah, that's not a bad choice. That's not a bad choice. Uh, what about vegetable sides? Oh, I, I have thoughts here. I think okay. vegetables at, th- at Thanksgiving, you know, the thing is you eat so damn much. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I never take the vegetables. I'm like, they're <laughs> superfluous to me. They don't matter. Any other meal throughout the other 300. That's right. Days. I don't want, even want them on my plate. So vegetables, you are Joe Bowserman. <laughs> wow. That's, that's hard. <laughs> 
Uh, also, German-style green beans, I think, would definitely fit as a Joe Bowserman. Uh, vegetables, you know, vegetables, while inessential, are a central part of healthy living. Um, so I would say maybe a coach here. Like, I think Mickey Marotti, you know, look, I love him. And I, I want him in my life, like, you know, in terms of, like, healthiness and things like that. But I also, like, don't want to see him on Thanksgiving because I'd feel bad about myself. And <laughs> if I eat vegetables or I look at vegetables on Thanksgiving, I'd be reminded about what I don't do on the other meals that I eat. You know, the thousands of other meals that I have during the year that where I just kind of like, yeah, I could have carrots. Or I could just eat 20, like, you know, M&Ms and be done with it. So, uh, yeah, Marathi, I think, is, is that. Uh, desserts, right, so desserts. Yes. Okay. So, what do you think? We got pumpkin, apple pie. What do you think? Okay. So, desserts. The the, the role of desserts at Thanksgiving is like once you're you know once you get your meal in you, desserts are like the best. They are right. they are the thing that you look forward to the most. They are the the um, the main attraction, I guess, in a lot, in a lot of ways. I mean, you can talk about the turkey and the gravy and all that stuff, but really, you're just trying to get through all that stuff to get to the good stuff, the sweet stuff. So. Right. I'd say the desserts are something like a Ted Ginn or a Dane Sonsenbacher. Mm. It's like, this is what we really want to see right here. Right. I, I think I want something like, I want I want a dessert, okay, in Thanksgiving. I don't want a dessert that's going to, like, knock my socks off. That's not what I'm looking for in a Thanksgiving dinner dessert. I want a dessert that's like, I don't know. I want it, it wants to, I want it to be good and savory. But I also want it to just kind of like settle in my stomach like nicely. You know what I mean? I don't want it to just be like, oh, I'm eating this giant souffle. I don't want that. I want a little pumpkin pie, <laughs> a little lactose-free ice cream. You know what I mean? Just some nice stuff mm. to just sit on. Like, hmm, this is a nice topping. So I don't want anything crazy. Uh, but I do want it to be good. So I'm going to go with uh, our, our very own favorite, J.T. Barrett, as my dessert. Okay. Because it's unexpected, but it's good. It's not crazy, but you like enjoy it a lot. You know, that's so he's he's definitely my pumpkin pie. Um, <laughs> All right. And if I Thanks, see him, Jay. if I see him on the stream, like JT Barrett, you're my pumpkin pie. I want to put you in my belly. <laughs> nice. All right. You and <laughs> okay, now you're just going to weird places now. Well. Um, Jay in New Jersey, thanks for that. Out. Thanks for that very thoughtful question. That was um, that was yeah. a different one. I liked it. All right, we got one. Uh, more. What else we got? Last one from Jesse here. He's got a two-part question. He's not an OSU graduate, for shame, but the Buckeyes are my favorite college team as my school Yay. is a small Division three school with an inconsistent football program. Should I feel that my Buckeye fandom is less than that of an actual graduate, or am I overthinking things? Huh. That's a very good question. Secondly, and possibly related to the above, uh, above, <laughs> I appear to be in the minority and actually like the super fans that always make it on TV, and in some cases, commercials. Please tell me why I'm misguided, preferably with as little polit political correctness as possible, but not so much as to get you guys sued. Okay. <laughs> uh, first part, is he less of a Buckeye fan for not going to Ohio State? No, no. A lot of people go to different schools for different reasons, but, <clears throat> I mean, I became a Buckeye fan before I even even considered what college I might go to. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that my choice of going to Ohio State you know, makes me any better than someone who like went to Harvard because they got like, they're really smart and that kind of thing. Agree. So no, I think you're overthinking things. You know, you're just as big a Buckeye fan as somebody who actually spent money at the school. Yeah. And I also got to point out, look, I didn't get amazing grades in, in high school and I got in Ohio state and I went to Ohio state and I got a couple of degrees from Ohio state, but man, if, if I had just like done slightly worse in high school, I might have never attended Ohio State. And so I can never mm -hmm. hate on somebody who goes to a different school and yet still wants to cheer for Ohio State. If you're an Ohioan, you're an Ohio State fan, the end. All right? Like mm -hmm. the university, uh, you know, Ohio State University represents Ohioans as a whole, in my opinion. And if you're from Ohio or you're in Ohio, you are by default an Ohio State fan. Congratulations. You're in the club. Yes. Uh, secondly, why, why should he hate the super fans? Why should he hate them? Yes. Um, look, I think hate's a strong word, but here's the thing about the super fans. And it's the things you don't see on TV. The things that you see on TV, you see a guy who's dressed up all, you know, showing his spirit and all that stuff. That's what you see. What you don't see is <laughs> the guy, like, leaning over the railing, haranguing the camera guy, saying, me, 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 put me on TV. Um, right. The guy who uh, the guy who will charge, charge you money for taking a picture with you. Yeah, to take a picture with you. I mean, 
uh, and in some instances have displaced actual paying customers uh, to get better seats right. for the you know for the cameras. Right. And 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 in some cases have been very belligerent and bullying about it. So um, without getting into too much into details, these are these are the reasons why a lot of people don't like these folks. And uh, you know, I mean, because you can go back, go back to Ramsey's article, Neutron Man. Everybody loved Neutron Man, right? Because he wasn't like that. All he did was he danced, and everybody appreciated him for. And he danced in like B deck, so like yeah. he was getting mad at that, right? He didn't go, you know, he didn't go seeking out the camera and and saying, "Look at me." He got up and danced because that's he that's what you dance. do when they when the band plays Neutron Dance. That's what you do, right? And so he was he was a good super fan. The ones today, just, they're just trying to get on television. Yeah. Last thing and, I want to last thing I want to add real quick to that. It, to me, the idea of a super fan at Ohio State is completely antithetical to the concept of Ohio State fans. Like we're a horde. We're not like you know we're not like a group of like hey this is what this guy does and this is what this guy does and we're all spe-. no screw that. We're a giant crazy unruly mob of people that have no real guidance. Nobody like nobody look to no real chance or cheers that we can all get behind except for Carmen, Ohio. Like we're just a bunch of crazy, mean, loud, smelly, obnoxious people. And to center yourself as a part, like to say, I'm not part of that group. I'm the cool super van. Well, screw you. No, you're not. You're part of get back here in the mob. All right. Get back here in the mud with us and play around and act stupid. Like don't don't situate yourself on TV and pretend like you speak for the rest of us because you don't. We're a bunch of unruly SOBs. Political correct, Jesse. I don't give a crap. We're a bunch of, We're a bunch of nuts. And there is no rhyme or reason to what we do. And there's certainly no, like, you know, capes or face paint or any of that crap that we all wear every single week in exactly the same way and then get in cameras' faces. Screw that. We're a mob. We're a horde. All right? That's what we are. Not, not Buckeye guy or, new, you know, whatever. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, you know what, Johnny? I don't think we read this question from uh, Grant. Um, Grant wants to know... If you were to name your dog after a former OSU player, what name would it be, and who has the best name or is the most worthy of such an honor? Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's really good. I would definitely name it after Yao Smith. That's easy. I won't call my dog Yao. Yao, 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 okay. Yao. Yeah, that sounds like a dog name. Yeah. Um, you know, I I know a lot of people who've named their named their dogs Buckeye or Woody. Mm-hmm. Um, Woody obviously is very worthy of of such an honor. Um, I you know. My, I'm going with my pat answer to everything, which is Spielman. Yeah, that's good. Thaddeus. <laughs> Come, Thaddeus. Let us go there's, there's, make there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, Spiels. I would name mine Spiels if I had a dog. But you kind of got to see what your dog looks like before you know what to name it. No, Thaddeus. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Grant. And that is Ask Us Anything for yet another week. Uh, remember, you can uh, write to us, dubcast at 11warriors.com, or hit us up on the Twitters. Joining us tonight on the 11 Dubcast, very special guest, former Ohio State offensive lineman center, Corey Lindsley, now with Green Bay Packers. Corey, thanks for being with us on the Dubcast. Thanks for having me. First thing I want to ask you, because this is always um, – the first thing I, I, I ask anybody uh, of, of your stature is, what in the world were you thinking going into something where you have to take on like 290-pound, 300-pound guys every every play? <laughs> uh, it, it was unbelievable. But the, that's why we play. You know, it's the rush of the game and everything. And it, it was it was quite uh, it was nerve-wracking for a little bit there. But um, luckily, you know, everything worked out and. Uh, So you've been like, I mean, you've been tearing it up this season with the Packers. Um, And actually, I think I just read an article about an hour ago where Aaron Rodgers said that you deserve some consideration for the Pro Bowl. Like things have been going really well. Uh, How has that transition been? Because I can't, I got to imagine that's got to be like a really crazy, like past five or six months for you. Yeah, it really has. And it was, you know, kind of a similar situation to JT Parents because, you know, the, the guy who, who had the job uh, went down, and me um, and both of us stepped and were expected to perform. And obviously, Green Bay Packers and Ohio State—they both have the um, same levels of expectations in their respective venues. So uh, it was <clears throat> my journey this far has been kind of um, crazy. But uh, the transition, though, I mean, it's it's been relatively uh, smooth so far. Just um, 
and that, that's a credit to the guys that we have around us at Green Bay, just helping me with the calls, and the, the, um, the playbook, and, and everything that you can imagine, and keeping me level at it. So it's it's been um, relatively comfortable compared to what it you know I guess it could have been. So, um, but you know it's I really like it up in here uh, up here in Green Bay and um, having a good time so far. Corey, the the offensive line last year at Ohio State, you know, four guys end up in, in NFL camps, three guys playing in the NFL fairly regularly, uh, most of you. I mean, just an unbelievable line. What was it like to play with, with Muhort, Norwell, and, and Hall, and Decker last year? And, and is that just an incredible line for college or what? Yeah, it was a heck of a time. And uh, all of us, you know, we were just so comfortable with each other. And so, um, you know, we had such a bond that we built there over the course of two years. Uh, it, it was just a heck of a time. Um, I know all of us, that, you know, I've seen, I've played against the Panthers, so I've seen Norwell. And uh, Jack and I talk frequently and still keep in touch with Marcus when I can. And, uh, of course, Taylor. But um, you, the bond that we developed over there in two years is unlike Anything I've, anything I've experienced before, and just uh, the, the the comfort level we have with guys making calls, the the, uh, the the comfort level in the meeting room and everything, guys joking around, having a good time, and no one wanted to take it seriously. It was it was a heck of an experience. Well, one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about was kind of about that experience. Like we've talked to a couple of other players who played in roughly the same time that you did, and one of the things that I'm always curious about is, is the transition, right, between, like, coaches and, you know, just the general, you know, tenor of the Big Ten and whatnot. I mean, what was it like playing through so many different transitions in your college career? <clears throat> kept, uh, kept things uh, lively, I guess. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, um, I don't know. You know, I just kind of rolled with it. We all kind of rolled with it. And um, I guess we didn't know any better because – it's not like, you know, Ohio State's tradition over the past 10 years, only so many people have really experienced it. And once you're done with your time there, it's not like you can experience it any longer. So, you know, we we just kind of rolled with it and then rolled with the punches and kept going, and it, it paid off for us in the long run. Now, Corey, what is about – you know, we've seen the, the the growth of the of the Ohio State offensive line this year coming together for – four new starters and a fifth starter who moved, changed positions from right to left tackle. What is it about offensive line that, that takes so long to get a, a group to really gel together? What is it about that position or, or playing on the line uh, that, that um, you know, takes a little time to get going? Because I think fans take the offensive line for granted. They just assume you throw in a bunch of new big guys and they'll just go out and do the job. Yeah, it's the it's really the the communication on game day. You know, you can simulate game day as much as you want in practice, but there's nothing like having 110,000 people screaming at you and going nuts in the environment and everything, and having to communicate um, verbally and, and visually uh, directions and where to go and, and play calls and everything. And so. I think that that's just what happened at the beginning of the year. It just took a little bit of time to um, for the guys to gel together. But I think, honestly, these guys, the, the guys that they have right now, um, they've all gelled very quickly in terms of, uh, you know, how how it goes normally. I mean, they what it basically took three games, and then they were they were on a roll. And, and you know, there's a lot of other stuff happening, but. Um, I think they've played extremely well over the past since you know the loss of Virginia Tech. Uh, I think they've played extremely well. Yeah, I think most Ohio State fans would definitely agree with you on that. Um, does the style of offense that Tom Herman and, and Nerv Meyer kind of run does that put more pressure on the offensive line, or you know, kind of require them to know how to do maybe different things that they wouldn't normally do, maybe in another offense? Um, more or less, I guess. I, um, in any program, in any offense, uh, your offensive line is going to tell you how, how good your team's going to be, and uh, I think that's true across all all types of offenses, if you will. 
So you go from from uh, snapping the ball to <clears throat> Braxton, Braxton Miller, two-time Big Ten uh, Most Valuable Player, to Aaron Rodgers, who's who's going to be obviously a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, what is that like uh, to to play with a guy like Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it's just got to be amazing. Yeah, it is. It's it's really an honor that I get to snap to him, and, and um, to be around him is is kind of. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. To work with him is kind of just remarkable because most people see him throw the ball and everything. You know, they're amazed by how far he can throw it, how accurate he is, and that's that's great. Now that always wows everybody. And when he lays through the ball like 60 yards, you know, that always wows me. But the the thing about him is he's so cerebral. I mean, he's so if if people could just get a glimpse at how in depth and how ingrained in this offense he really is from a mental standpoint they, they would just be you know they would be in shock and awe. I mean it, it really would be because working with him he knows everything there is every check every call every you know at, at Ohio State you can only put so much pressure on the quarterback because you know the guy's in college so I mean he knows all Braxton knew all the routes he knew all the protections definitely but but if you talk to Aaron, I mean, he, he could tell you what run-blocking assignments we have on every different play. It's it's really unbelievable, and I'm, I'm really honored to play with him. Well, let's talk about quarterbacks a little bit. I mean, you know, you're going for Aaron Rodgers, but you're also, I think, as an observer, watching what's going on with Ohio State. Uh, you know, how do you feel about the evolution of JT Barrett this season, especially a guy who's just stepping in, like, immediately into this role without really a lot of prep time? I thought... Honestly, I told everybody up here, I thought no matter <laughs> – I don't care who we played. I thought JT was going to do a heck of a job. JT, from the minute that he got at Ohio State, was a mature young man. He was not a high school boy whatsoever, at least from my perspective. And I thought he's always handled himself a class, a character, and he's always had a work ethic of second to none on anybody – from everybody on the team, and I, I knew he was going to do a heck of a job. And, uh, he really has, and I mean, the, the thing that's really shocked me because I knew he was going to make the right reads and, and you know throw the right ball where it's supposed to be thrown. But his his talent, I think, is is shocking me. It's even shocking me as as it is shocking everybody else. The the way he throws the ball, the velocity he puts on the accuracy. I think that's. I don't, that's obviously a tribute to how hard he's worked over the over the course of, the, of his two years being there. You know, Corey, you, you, this is an interesting thing. I think is when um, older players have to rely on on younger players, and that's kind of what uh, like the Packers have are doing with you as a as a younger NFL player. They're having to rely on you, and and Ohio State. There's some of the veteran players like Devin Smith who who are now relying on a redshirt freshman to lead them uh, at quarterback. What qualities does it take for a young player to earn the trust of their uh, their older teammates? I think it's a little bit different um, between me and uh, JT and I. Um, my, from my standpoint, I have to show everybody that I know what's going on in, in the offense. I have to make the right calls in the locker. I have to continually, day, uh, week in and week out, prove to everybody that I, I know what's going on and I, I, I'm not going to screw this thing up and and I deserve to be out on this field. Uh, I think and it's a little bit different for JT because he has so much uh, media scrutiny from the quarterback position that, that he, he not only has to prove to his teammates, but he also has to prove uh, to all the fans and wow them with these numbers that he's putting up. I think because, you know, if the quarterback's not having a heck of a year, you know, people are going to come to – and not that Coach Meyer listens to him, but all these media outlets are are, are going to come to Coach Meyer, and maybe maybe we should switch the quarterback. You know, is is it the quarterback's fault? The quarterback always gets blamed. And, and for JT, I mean, he's he's silenced all the doubters with the numbers he's put up with uh, with his, his completion percentages, with his yards, everything. He's he's doing really a heck of a job. But in both scenarios, it's it's about proving uh, to your teammates that you deserve to be out there. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I really wanted to ask you as well, which is, you know, your position is incredibly demanding, obviously. I mean, you do have to point out, like, all the coverages and everything like that. And, you know, 
what has the learning curve been like, you know, transitioning from college to the NFL, especially, you know, with the, the offense that Green Bay runs? Uh, the offense that, that Green Bay runs is extremely complex. Um, it, it really does. I don't know that a, a college player would have enough time to really, um, with between classes and, and um, everything else that a college player has to deal with, it, it really wouldn't. It, it's almost too much for him. It, it's been a heck of a time. I, I had trouble the first couple of weeks learning the offense, but um, luckily the older guys have helped me a lot over these past couple of weeks, and I'm still nowhere near um, my guards at their level of knowledge of the offense. But um, we run entirely different schemes than Ohio State does, so it, it was kind of a that that, that might have contributed to. My lack of learning curve, um, <laughs> but yeah, it it is it is uh, the offense we run up here is, is extremely complex, and uh, but and it takes some smart guys to to run it. So that's obviously why Aaron does so well in it because he's he's extremely intelligent. Well, Corey, before we get out of here, obviously, um, you know we we don't want to make this all business. We we want to have a little fun too. So I want to ask you about uh, your recent sort of appearance on Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, for those who haven't seen it, um, Jimmy does this bit where he shows a photo of a player and, and then captions it. And um, he, you had kind of a surprised look on your face in the picture. And his, his caption was that uh, you're the guy most likely to say, do it again to a magician. Um, <laughs> what, what, did you, what did you think uh, when you heard about that? And how did you find out about it? Well, I was picking my girlfriend up from the from the, uh, from the airport, actually, down in Appleton, which is about a half hour south of here. And uh, we got word of it because, you know, my phone's blowing up, hers is too. Everybody texting us, you know, oh, you were on the Tonight Show. And I didn't get it. And my girlfriend was like, I, I go, Anna, what? I don't get it. And she's like, you look like a two-year-old in your picture. I was like, I was like oh, okay. Way to lay it on me easier. <laughs> But she, you know, we we both laughed about it, and I I I couldn't believe it. I I, I watch the Tonight Show all the time. I love that show, so I, I was like, I don't really care if he's making fun of me or not. I was on the Tonight Show. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Uh, one last thing before we let you go, I want to hear your best Urban Meyer story. It doesn't have to be funny, but I mean, your just your best Urban Meyer story. Jeez, uh, I mean, there's so many that that you could go over. Um, shoot, but I, I guess like he used to back in when he first got here, he said, um, I, I performed well in one of the drills and he said, you know, if you want to be, cause I was still learning the spot at that point, And, uh, he was like, he, he, um, you know, if you want to be the center, you got to be the apex of the offense. And, as a half joke, half serious, or like it was pretty much all a joke for my friends, but they all, all the teammates used to call me the apex. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be like, okay, that's funny guys, you know? So the one day we were out there in practice and coach Meyer, um, you know, my teammates kept calling me the apex and, and coach Meyer, you know, he gets in, he's so passionate and he's so just intense all the time that, you know, he doesn't remember some, you know, he's not going to remember that from like six months ago, you know? So he, he comes up to me during the, the stretch of the practice and he goes, Hey, what are they calling you? I said, they're calling me apex. And he's like, why are they calling you that? I was like, well, <laughs> you called me the apex. He was like, I did. I go, yeah. He goes, huh. And he's like, he walks away. He's like, all right, let's break it down on the apex. And, uh, <laughs> and then the, the nickname was, was born from there, I guess. Uh, you know, that's just the first one that comes to mind. But I mean, Coach Meyer is so intense and so passionate. I love the guy. I mean, he, he's awesome. There, there are hundreds of stories I could go on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to have you back on and, and hear some more of those stories. But, but Corey Lindsley, uh, Green Bay Packers center, former Ohio State Buckeye, thanks so much for being on the Dubcast. We really appreciate it, and and best of luck to you the rest of the way. Hey, thank you very much for having me. All right, have a good night. You too. 
So uh, it's about that time again, time to get on out of here. But before we do, we first have to once again say, man, it was great to have Corey Lindsley on uh, part of maybe one of the best offensive lines in Ohio State history. And he was he was really good, Johnny. He, dude, it was great. Like, I love I love having former players on, but I especially love having former players who really just enjoy talking about their craft and, you know, getting into it. Because he clearly really, really loves football. And that's that's awesome to see. Like, the great interview. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys who seems like he still feels like he's, a, you know, the kid playing the kid's game. Yeah, you know I mean? well, and he's also super invested in Ohio State. I, I really liked what he had to say about JT Barrett and, and all that other stuff. That was cool. Yeah, staying <laughs> interested, staying, you know, on top of things and, and following his team, and, I'm you know, you got to respect that. Yeah. Uh, before we get on out of here, uh, we're going to have to ask you a final question, John. Do it. All right, so we've talked a lot about offensive line play tonight. Yes. And uh, so I'm going to put this out here for you. You are now required by law to play one snap of offensive line for the Ohio State University. Right. Uh, okay. What position on the line do you play, and what opponent would – what game – from? let's say it's this year's schedule. What game do you want to be in, and what position you play, and why? Oh, God. Uh, um, well, if I want to frame somebody for murder – I'll do it in Virginia <laughs> Tech game. Um, if I don't want to die, I mean, I'm in okay shape. I'm in, I'm in decent shape, but I'm, I'm like 6'2", 200 pounds. That's not going to cut it. Uh, uh, I'm going to play right guard. Um, I'm going to play against uh, Navy, and I'm going to carry a shiv. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get. I'm going to try to play against the smallest line lineman possible. Um, I'm going to be a pulling guard, so they won't necessarily see me coming. And yeah, I'm just going to try to just stab somebody, and then hopefully not die. So yeah, that's that's I think that's where I'm that's where I'm at. All right, um, I'm going to play tackle on the tight end side so that I have help. Okay, and and basically he's on his own. Yeah, just run. He's like, all right, see you, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm eligible downfield. I'm, I'm eligible receiver downfield. Let's go. <laughs> And if I didn't die on the play, I would probably be I'd probably be flagged for a chop block, and it wouldn't really be a chop block so much as me diving on the ground to get out of the way. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> those guys are freaking huge and so much more athletic than you think they are. Yeah, I want to tell you something. One time, I I was standing next to uh, Nick Mangold. Nick Mangold isn't even that tall, right? Like he's like six three, I think, which is tall, but not like he's not a towering human being. But he's just right. To a tall dude like you, that's not very tall. Right, but he's, like, the size of a door, like, wide. So it's, like, <laughs> just people that large. I don't understand how people that large can be that athletic. It, just, it blows my mind every time I see it. But it's just, you know, the human race is a very interesting and varied one. And it is just cool to see what all the different body types can accomplish in the athletic arena. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I will never forget the... Uh going to practice and standing next to Alonzo Spellman for the first time and thinking I couldn't feel any weirder next to him than I than I would if like there was an alien next to me. Yeah, I saw like it wasn't <laughs> I told you this before, Terrell Pryor ran past me once in full gear and I about crapped my pants. I was like that's like that's a truck. That's like a literal truck that almost hit me, man. It, it's uh, ugh, scary. T peasy. All right, folks, well that's it for uh, an award-winning, I think, uh 11 Dubcast. <laughs> yeah. it, it should be an award-winning you know, edition of 11. This was, this, you should probably just save this one forever because it was that good. Yep. Uh, but we'll be back next week after the Minnesota game, and uh, we'll probably even have to start talking about basketball here pretty soon. I know. And uh, looking forward to that because this is going to be a fun team to watch, Johnny, with a lot of good freshmen, and um, I'm really uh, excited to see D'Angelo Play. I just want to see Alley Oops to Sam Thompson 20 times again. That's all I give a crap about. I don't even care what the record is at the end of the game. Alley Oops? Yeah, just have Alley Oops. You don't even care. We'd lose 20 games, but Alley Oops. Hell yeah, dude. I just want to see dunks. I'm in it for the dunks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah. So, we got we got some uh, kick-ass hoops to talk next week. We've got Minnesota. And then we'll, of course, be getting ready for the huge Indiana game. That's right. That is, uh, is that a trophy game, Johnny? I don't know, and frankly, don't care. The answer is no, and it should never be. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that for a fact, because there's like a... There's yeah, like but a I feel like trophies need to exchange now. hands at certain points, and, well, you know, it's all You saying. think? 
Man, I don't want to jinx it, but you know, come on, man. Trophies have to change. I feel like they should. I feel like they should be yeah. good trophies. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you probably want to fight over them. Yeah. You know, they probably have to be worth fighting over. Yeah. So. Florida. All right. Well, until, so until next week, I'm Michael Citron. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace, everybody. Bye.